if you can get someone to shift from that one little piece that isn't working, I know it seems like a big piece if you're focusing on it, but actually if you pull back, if you zoom back like on Google Earth and you, <laughs> and you see the big picture, you start to see that there's so much abundance and so much wealth and we are so blessed right where we stand. And at that point, you accomplish what I call the critical shift from focusing on what is not there to what is there. And the next thing that happens is by virtue of the law of attraction, as you start vibrating at a higher level, you start attracting at a higher level. So once again, if you go out and do actions that are based on desperation and fear, you only create more desperation and fear. When you claim the wealth that you already own, in that moment I am wealthy, and from that vantage point I attract more wealth physically and materially. That is beautiful. Could you please repeat that affirmation? Well, I uh, am wealthy. Yeah, because I, I am wealthy now, and from my knowingness of my wealth, I attract more wealth physically and materially. That is wonderful. You know, uh, the author of The Celestine Prophecy, James Redfield, I so agree with the fact that he says you are the most eloquent spokesman of the heart. And you, I get that you come from this inner depth inside of you. Where did that, how did you get that? Were you just born this way? A lot of us want to understand this. <laughs> or did you just, you know, you just came out of the womb with, I've got it, and it's there. Was there a point in time when things shifted for you from a place where you were? Or, you know, can you share that with us? Well, thank you. It, it's really both, and I think it's that way for all of us in the sense that we're all born knowing, we're all born connected to spirit, we're all born innocent. I mean, that's why we fall in love with children and animals, because they're they're innocent and they're pure and they're connected to their original knowingness. And so every single one of us, not just me because I've written books, but every 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 single one of us carries that spark of the divine or the spark of higher consciousness or the spark of pure love within us. That can never die. Nothing that happens to you in the world can ever take that away. That is your inherent birthright uh, for your entire life and beyond. So in that sense, I've always had it, and, and we've all always had it. That, that, that's that's non-negotiable. And yeah. then on, the other, on the other side of the coin, um, we, uh, we come into a certain amount of limitation and unconsciousness when we're born. We take it on. And then we have to kind of transform that to work our way back to who we really are. So uh, part of my learning, a lot of my learning, has been through trial and errors, uh, probably more errors <laughs> than successes, <laughs> because because you learn, you know, when you go into fear and then you have to work your way out of it, you you know, you gain muscles, you build strength, you build consciousness. So um, I, I don't just sit here and feel happy and play all day long. I mean, I have my my ups and downs and my upsets and my challenges and my relationship issues and on and on and on. So so really what I've learned uh, about wealth has been partly inner knowing and a lot just kind of bumping around the world figuring it out and, and extracting lessons from the joys as well as the difficulties. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what I'm hearing is that there was never any specific aha moment that you're suggesting it's always been there and 
were you were you raised with that consciousness? Was it someone that brought this into you, or how did you? Because I'm I'm looking at you know here our students at the Stress and Anger Management Institute. The, the majority of the time, we'll find that individuals are coming in in moments of crisis. Right, right. And they have trouble seeing that divine light or that inner peace, anything that is powerful inside of them that's, that's stopping them from where they want to be. Right. Or where they say they are, you know, in the process of going. So there's there seems to be because I, I I see both ends. There's the the ones that are really on it and they're in the moment and they have they can hear the guidance, they can follow the direction, and then there's the ones that can't uh, for some reason are not able to hear right. that process and the inner guidance and that gut feeling that intuition and come from the what am I going to do next? I'm homeless. I'm on the street. I am, I could be, you know, where that portion, how is it that you're able to see the transformation or help others gain that transformation into the whole concept of getting more by doing less? Well, uh, <clears throat> crisis is very often a pivotal turning point for people and I'm, I'm sure you know, and you read it, a lot of your listeners know that in, in China, the, the the written word for crisis is a combination of two different words put together. One is danger, and the other is opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, so take the financial crisis in our country. Well, it, it's a big challenge. I mean, there's a big danger here. We're not we're not denying that. On the other hand, there's a huge opportunity because. If you can find a sense of wholeness and aliveness and faith and joy, even when the money scene does not seem to be flowing, and you build that muscle of, of deep faith and knowingness and self-confidence, boy, that's so much more powerful than being happy when money's flowing. You see, so, so the, uh, I think Wayne Dyer wrote a book called "There's a Spiritual Answer to Every Problem." And yes. So once again. Uh, when you ask, how do you get more by doing less? Well, going out and running and hustling to get more money because you're afraid. Well, you you can do that. That's okay. But if you can find some kind of spiritual answer such that I trust and all is well and I have the power to manifest my dreams, um, then you, boy, then you really pivot on this crisis and you make it work in your favor. And, and you mentioned somebody homeless. Well, you know, uh, one of my good friends is Neil Donald Walsh, who, who wrote Conversations with God, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. And yes. Neil was down and out, bottom line, bust butt broke. <laughs> and he was eating, he was eating uh, sandwiches out of garbage cans. I mean, it was a horrible scene. And somewhere during that time, he decided to have a conversation with God, and and instead of complaining or making anybody wrong or going out and busting his butt, and he did work, but I mean it was not out of fear. He decided to sit down and see what Spirit had to tell him about this situation, and through that process came this fantastic dialogue, which was published as a book called Conversations with God, 
And now he's a, a world-famous author. He's sold 7 million books. He's helped a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people since then. So what's the difference between him and somebody else who, who wallows in misery? He used the experience to uplift himself spiritually, and from that spiritual level, everything changed. And so the bottom line is there's always a spiritual answer if you can dig in and find it. Yes, exactly. Can you tell me, what do you see right now as this great transformation is taking place on this planet, really, as as Dr. Wayne Dyer says? What is it that you see? Is there is there a word or a phrase or some kind of, I guess maybe a, 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 a paragraph or a sentence of hope, there's something of light that you see in the transformation right now? Because, I, I mean, there's so much change happening, and I see so many wonderful things happening, although there's, like you know, like you said, all of this negative media on this crisis. Right, right. Well, change is always good. Uh, and what's happening now is really a wonderful thing, and I know it's hard to see if you just read the newspapers, but we've kind of gotten into lots of dysfunction as, as a society. Our economic system was highly dysfunctional, and we're kind of understanding why now. Our health care system is dysfunctional. Government has been dysfunctional. Education has been dysfunctional. Marriage has been dysfunctional. Uh, not that these things have to be dysfunctional, but we've we've kind of set them up in ways that don't work in the long run. So as these systems kind of cave in and fall apart, we say, wait a minute, we can't do this like this anymore. Mm -hmm. Then the miracle happens because we are forced to say, okay, if that wasn't working, what will work? And there's the aha we're looking for. There's the open door to the miracle because everything is it or not it. And you have to tell the truth about a not it before you get to the it. So, What's happening on a, on a world basis now is we're coming face-to-face -face with all that's not it, which is disheartening, which is disgruntling at first, but it's not the end of the story. It's just the, the end of one chapter of a bigger book. And so as we regroup and ask ourselves, okay, well, how can we go do government? How can we do economics? We start to reach for answers that are actually healing to us as individuals and as a culture, and then real positive change comes about. So... You know, they say that the record books never record the score at halftime. <laughs> in other words, we're in the middle of the story now. It's not the end of the story. And if you just hang in there, there's a happy ending if you're willing to, you know, work with it. Exactly, exactly. And so thank you for that. And and I can hear your words of wisdom shining through in the process of we're in the middle of this. Just continue to move forward. Exactly. And so... What else can you share with us about relaxing into wealth and and getting into the mindset of that, relaxing into wealth? Because obviously it's this oxymoron of, well, wealth is go out and get it, hurry up, hustle, work, move, work, work harder, not smarter, whatever that may be. Money doesn't grow on trees. And your concept of relaxing into wealth in your book is, phenomenal and tell me can you give us some some daily tips or, or yes. something that would yes okay i heard a yes i'm going to stop right there and let you go no, it's fine it's a, it's a great question well just to remember that um 
struggle is not it. And I, I do a, a training, a, a week-long mastery training, and one of the 12 principles we teach is that let it be easy, struggle is not required. And a lot of people don't understand this concept because they think, well, does that mean you lay in bed and wait for a, a check to float in your window? And that's not it at all. What this means is that you choose actions, whether it's money actions or relationship actions, that proceed from a sense of joy, creativity, passion, choice, and well-being versus sort of being a a puppet at the hands of fear. And you, you kind of, you see, when you're struggling, it means that you stepped out of your path of joy for the moment. And the harder you struggle, the more you struggle. I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but when you start struggling, it usually leads to more struggle, not more peace. Uh, can I tell you a very cute and inspiring story that, from my own experience? Please do. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think I mentioned this in the beginning of the book. Uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, set to go on a plane trip from uh, Hawaii to California. And as I was um, in the waiting room, they announced that the plane would be delayed for two hours because of mechanical uh, issues. And I had a, I had a, um, uh, an upgrade, a request for upgrade to first class, and it hadn't been approved yet. And so when they announced that the plane would be delayed, I thought, well, I will go to the desk and see if I can kind of get in their face to get my upgrade. See, I grew up in New Jersey, and that's what I learned, that if you, get, if you bother people enough, they give you what you want. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I went to the desk, but unfortunately a long line had formed in front of me of other people trying to do the same thing and change their flights and so forth. And I realized that I would probably be standing in that line for maybe an hour just to get to them and get in their face and hear them say no. And so I asked myself, okay, maybe you could practice what you teach now, and what would you be doing if you were not struggling? And I realized mm. that I realized I had a pass to the lounge, to the executive lounge, and I thought, well, I would just go there and I'd sit there for two hours and instead of standing in line waiting to fight with somebody, and I will have some orange juice, and I will do some emails and take a nap and read a magazine. And that two hours of doing that felt like a lot more fun than waiting to, you know, demand something. Yes. I got it, waiting to get your way there. Exactly, exactly. And, of course, you know, you work a lot with anger management, and this is a classic example of a choice between conflict and flow and so i um i thought okay well i'll just trust and if i get the first class upgrade great and if not well at least i'll have two hours of peace out of my life so i went to the lounge i went to the lounge and i relaxed and had you know had a good old time and then 15 minutes before the flight i went back to the gate and as i'm passing the podium i hear a voice over the intercom say would Mr. Cohen please come to the desk? So I came, and the agent said, well, we have a first-class seat for you. And she said, that's the strangest thing. She says, that seat was not here five minutes ago. And I said, oh, well, my cool. goodness. That's cool. So so I, I said, well, I accept. And so she gave me the seat and I the ticket, and I walked away, and I realized that I was supposed to give her these coupons that you redeem for first-class and so I decided to be honest, and I, I went back, and I, 
I asked her, well, do you want these coupons for this seat? And she said, well, the computer here says it's paid for, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, well, it's good enough for me, too. <laughs> and so I, I took that seat, and I think it was the most enjoyable plane ride I've ever had because it was really a result of a miracle. And how I understand this is that when you actually choose trust over pushing and, and fighting and maneuvering and manipulating, miracles actually happen. It's like you start to align with opportunities and availabilities and abundance that would not have been available to you if you're in that duke-it-out mode. And so mm-hmm. for me, that was a classic example of how pr- putting trust into action literally begets practical, material, observable results. Into putting trust into action. Exactly. Got it. That's interesting because I usually would hear putting faith into act into action, or in, and, and I like that putting trust into action, mm-hmm. trusting, yes, that you, um, that it, that it's there, that it's yours. Yep. Yep. Trusting that you are it. Can you tell me some more about? Tell us some more about your programs that you have, and because I love Hawaii, you have to tell me, how is everything in Hawaii right now? Well, Hawaii is always good. <laughs> even good. If, even if it's raining, it's it's a very beautiful place. And I'm here because, you know, nature inspires me, and as you well know, there are beautiful natural vistas here, and there's kind of a lifestyle that's more relaxed. And Now, the next question people usually ask me is, well, yeah, you get to move to Hawaii, but I'm stuck in L.A. and I have to go to work. And, oh. and I understand that. And, you know, I lived in New Jersey for 35 years, so I understand that whole story. And the truth is that you don't have to go to Hawaii to, you know, to be happy. Because there are plenty of people who are very happy wherever they are. It's, it's, uh, I'll tell you one more very cute story. Um, I know you asked me another question, but this, I think, I think our readers, our listeners, will appreciate this. Um, I was I was coming out of um, the O'Hare Airport uh, parking lot with some friends, and we we approached the toll booth, and it was kind of a long line. And finally, we we got to the toll taker, and he was a, a handsome older Italian man with white thick hair. And as he gave us our change, he sang us two verses from the opera La Traviata. <laughs> And he was pretty good, actually. And the women in the car swooned, and we all smiled and clapped and thanked him. And and off we drove. And, um, you know, I had a tremendous amount of respect for that man because he took a very dull and boring job. And actually, later I read that uh, somebody did a survey and asked, what's the most boring job in the world you can think of? And the most predominant answer was toll, toll collector. And what he did was he took what he had and he made what he wanted. He had a humble job and it could have been monotonous. But he sang opera to everybody who came through that toll booth. And he was an uplifter. He was a healer in his own right, you see. And so he turned that that boring old cold, fume-laden place into an opera hall. So... It shows you the power of applying consciousness to a worldly situation to uplift it. And so I suggest that everybody try to apply the highest consciousness to right where you stand 
uh, to uplift it. And, and if you came to Hawaii, that's what you would learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a huge fan of Hawaii, and I loved living there. And I, I, I just, I understand the peace and the tranquility that comes from that. I also understand the peace and the tranquility that comes from being myself and and really being feeling whole and complete and 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 how I guess for me a lot of people would say it's very simple to have that but I think it's really a really simple choice of consciousness that happiness is a priority to me and I know that when I am happy I I exude that and and other people I either attract that energy and I don't or I don't Right. And like attracts like. And in today's society and with everything that's happening, I hear so many sad stories. And there's a lot of individuals could have a lot of reason to be sad and hopeless and feelings of helplessness. Yet the ability to focus on what is so and understand that you can trust that you are safe. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, USA Today did a survey, uh, and they asked very successful people, which came first, happiness or success? In other words, did your money make you happy, or did your happiness make you money? And 65%, roughly two-thirds, answered that their happiness first drew, to su- drew success to them. Mm-hmm. So a lot, most people think, well, if I can just make some more money and get successful, then I'd be happy, and that's true. You know, and that that's, that that works. However, what they don't realize is if they can just get happy first, that joy base, by virtue of the law of attraction, will show them avenues open to them that were not available to their vision when they were feeling depressed or telling a, a victim story. Exactly. Can you tell me how do you implement these tools and and this this process in your your program? Is is that part of the all about you, the personal coaching program, or how does that work? Yes, well, um, I, I have a, a six month program. It's called All About You, uh, and it's it's a play on words because it's you period like university, all about you. And we take people through online courses, uh, one a different course each month for six months. And we have monthly teleseminars and a monthly personal coaching call with me. And so what I, the basic theme is that I invite people to discover where their passion lives, uh, mm. where their joy lives, and proceed from that. And it's an amazing thing because uh, I'm pretty good after doing this for many years to kind of listen to people and feel where they light up. So I will. Uh, they will say, well, should I go to this university, or should I marry this person, or should I move, or should I quit my job, or should I get divorced? And I'll, pl- I'll, I'll ask them to tell me the various options open to them, and mm-hmm. usually I can hear that one of the two or three options lights them up. And I will reflect to them, uh, that and I'll say, well, you know, it sounded like option B really had more juice for you than the others. And they say, yes, 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 it does. And I move them in that direction. And you know, it's, I know it sounds simplistic, but it really, really works. And so um, it's basically a training and a relationship in which people get to tap into where their joy lives 
and then I empower them and support them to make choices in alignment with that joy rather than fear or resistance or boredom. Got it. So is that what you mean by higher learning for the higher self? Yes. That's what we call it, higher learning for the higher self. That we we invite your higher self, your true self, to step forward instead instead of your fearful or resistant or victimized self. That is beautiful. So any last words that you'd like to share on our opportunity today of relaxing into wealth and how to get more by doing this and really the opportunity that you'd like individuals to consider right now listening Yes. Well, uh, the remember, first. Sorry, go ahead. Please do. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, um, remember that each of us has the power to create a unique economy for ourselves, and that there's always been people in ailing economies that have thrived, and always people in in thriving economies that have ailed. So, so just remember that what's going on out there does not have to affect what's going on in here unless you let it. And the examples I like to give are that the two greatest architectural achievements of the 20th century were created at the height of the Great Depression. And that was the Golden Gate Bridge and the Empire State Building were both funded at the beginning of the Depression, uh, and the money was gathered during those hard times, and they, they, were, they, they rose at the height of the Depression. So you got to wonder, if everybody was struggling and nobody had any money, where were people finding money to do those things? Well, there were people who were visionaries, who were, had big-picture ideas, who were passionate, and they, they mobilized and they attracted other people on the same wavelength, and so they prospered. And so my, my basic message is that how much you're prospering has very little to do with what's going on in the outer world and a lot to do with what's going on in the inner world. And so if you and I can practice daily meditating, visualizing, uh, speaking words that match where we want to end up rather than what we're afraid we're going toward, then we become a force for our own good and we magnetize our good to us because we're, we're living at a higher frequency than fear or poverty. And, and then one more tiny piece is that as you mobilize your prosperity consciousness, you become a force for prosperity that uplifts others. And so you become an uplifter. And a, uh, someone said on a news show the other day that um, uh, one of Obama's plans is, a, uh, I'll just say, she said that um, the perception of progress is as important as progress. And that's why when FDR did the New Deal, he would go around to factories that were opening and he would shine the light on any small places where there were progress. And what he did was he created the perception of progress, would let, let people relax and let, move money, let money start moving. So anything that you or I can do to stay in the perception of well-being actually creates well-being, and that's how we turn this whole thing around. Oh, my goodness. That is fabulous. Thank you. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many individuals have been waiting to hear what you just shared. I know that for me, it's a process of knowing, but also reminding myself, being that consciousness and surrounding myself with not only 
individuals that are in that higher state of mind or being, but also surrounding my, my, myself in my environment. Right. What, do you, what do you suggest that individuals can do for at this point in time if they don't have the support system of something or someone that can continue to bring that enlightenment of exactly what it is that you just said, that perception, right. that perception of progress, and keep that, that light high, what can, does anything come up for you as far as your environment and ways of empowering yourself in this process? Well, sure. Um, one thing is to take um, stuff that brings you down out of your environment. So... Um, if you have books or or magazines or newspapers that bring you down to look at them, I would remove them. Uh, I wouldn't watch movies that, that are that are depressing or or or, or that, that bring you down in any way. Uh, I would not have conversations with people about how bad things are. That's the negative side of it. On the positive side, I would draw into my I would I would read I would read things that uplift me every day uh, whether it's my book or anybody's book or any, anything that makes you feel good after reading it is worth doing. Um, I would walk in nature. Nature is the great healer, and uh, even if you're in the city, there are parks, there are beaches, there are uh, places you can go to where you see trees and flowers. Um, and I would I would I would gravitate toward people. You said, what if you don't have any friends? Well. I think everybody um, has somebody you know mm-hmm. who matches the kind of energy that you value. So uh, I would gravitate to those people. I would invite them to dinner. I would invite them to hang out and talk. Uh, I would cut conversations short with people who are trying to bring me down. I would politely say I have to go now or, or try to mm-hmm. shift the um, And so, so really, you know... Um, uh, a guy came to my workshop who said that uh, God God let me down. I said, well, what happened? Well, I was mountain climbing, rock climbing with this, my buddy, and um, and uh, I fell 25 feet, and I was sort of hanging over an edge. And he started to come down to try to help me, and he chickened out, and I was left hanging. He said, but then I found a rock to hold on to and a ledge, and I... I kind of worked worked my way up, and you know, here I am. And he said, "I'm really mad at God now because God let me down." And I said, "Well, God didn't let you down. Your buddy let you down. God showed you where that rock was." Right. And so, so you know, uh, it's it's not so much about depending on individual people for your well-being. It's about depending on spirit or God or higher power, whatever you want to call it. So. So there is a higher power that operates the universe, despite what CNN is telling you. <laughs> yes. and, and that power is working through you right now. And, and really, uh, take a walk in the park. You know, do whatever it takes. Even if you're at work and you have to go into the bathroom and close the cubicle and do some breathing or to read something, I mean, whatever it takes, you know, to take five minutes to get your head on straight, will shift your day and then make you more successful and shift the world because you, you know, you did it through your own connection with higher power. Yes, and, and can I confirm, just for the listeners, anyone, I, I see, I still see people logging in that 
their um, your book, the Daily Inspirational Thoughts, is, is uh, titled "A Deep Breath of Life." Correct. It's called "A Deep Breath of Life," right? Got it. Okay. Excellent. And if you don't mind, would you tell us about your latest book before we let you go? Tell us about your latest book, the one that was just, I guess, this year released or just about to be released this year? Uh, which one? Which I is have... this Lyndon's Last Life? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's a novel. And I think it's, if I may say so, I think it's my best work because it's it's my cutting edge. It's it's the thing that's most exciting to me. It's about a guy who's down and out and homeless. Actually, you mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. And he's about to um, jump off a bridge when he's intercepted by a, a monk who tells him that if you run away, you're going to have to come back, and it's going to be worse. Mm. And what you have to do is you have to graduate. You have to finish life like a master rather than a coward. And he he makes a deal. It's kind of a, related to Buddhism, but but it's much bigger than that, that he will never, ever, ever be reborn again no matter what happens, because the world sucks and there's no joy here. And he kind of sets things in motion for that to happen. And what happens then is something occurs that makes him want to live. And at this point, he has to confront that he has set a destiny in motion that he will die and never come back. And I won't tell you what happens after that, but the book asks and answers two basic questions. One is, do you have control over your destiny? And if you've set a destiny in motion, can you change it for the better? And two, is life worth living anyway? And it's wow. an adventure. It's a love story. There's a, there's metaphysics. There's something for everybody. And uh, we actually have a film going on it. Uh, we have it's in the works for a motion picture to to match it. And uh, it'll be published by Hay House in October called Lyndon's Last Life, and I'm really excited about it, very excited about it. Hey, House is fabulous. It'd be wonderful. Wow. I want to keep in touch with that one. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Any other questions that I may have? Well, I definitely want to promote your book, Relaxing to Wealth, Mm -hmm. and I know that you will be part of the Sammy Group everywhere we go this next year. And all of your information will be available to our programs and we'll make sure to let our listeners and our students know that you're available for the All About You coaching program and your new book that's coming out with Lyndon's Last, your new novel that's coming out with Lyndon's Last Life. I'm really excited to see that. I think that's wonderful. And I just have to share with you that I am so blessed to have had the opportunity to connect with you today. And I am so grateful for your power and your call to action and your peace in our world that I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, I want to thank you, too. You know, we're all in this together. Each of us has our own angle on it, and you're... You're doing fabulous work with your clients and listeners, and, and each of us is figuring it out in their own right, and we each have a big contribution to make, so let's let's applaud our contributions and know that we're reaching the right people, and somehow this magnificent law of attraction brings us together so we can co-create and make it even better than it would be individually. Amazingly. 
It really does. Mr. Alan Cohen, I want to thank you so much for your participation on the Family Radio Show today. And I will leave off with giving our listeners your information once again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the program. Once your novel is released, I would love to have you on again and and gain some more access and knowledge to all of that for all of our listeners and all of our students. We're really looking forward to that. Amen. Will do. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. God bless. Be well to everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. For more information on Mr. Alan Cohen's programs, his books, tapes, and seminars, please visit his website at alancohen.com. That's A-L-A-N-C-O-H-E-N.com.
the official source of stress and anger management education.